with us. Uh, he and uh, Tiffany, his wife, have four children ranging from college age on down to pretty small, age five. And um, Daniel's no stranger uh, to us. He, uh, he worked uh, for several years over in Hartzell uh, with congregation there uh, alongside uh, Brother Philip Hines. And so Daniel came over and helped us in VBS several times over the years, but now he's in uh, full-time mission work focusing in Arusha and Tanzania, and we're thankful that he is here, and we're thankful he has come to, to talk to us. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I love the Midway Church, and it's uh, always such a, a pleasure when I get the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, we've gone a long way back together, and uh, hopefully those have been uh, good memories for you as well, the times that I've been here. Uh, I think uh, one of those VBS times uh, afflicted you with a silly version of the Lord's Army song. <laughs> I apologize for that. You still use it? Okay. Well, uh, I guess I need to repent more fully then. <laughs> um, Anyway, and, and you have been a part of the work in Tanzania for a long time as well. And so this will be a review of some things. Uh, I've got some new information for you as well. But maybe there's some of you that, uh, if you're like me, you've slept since the last time I was here. So you may not remember some of the things about the work and could use a refresher. And I am happy to do that. Was had the opportunity, enjoyed very much uh, having the chance to spend about an hour with some of your young men right before services, and I was so excited talking about Tanzania with them that I almost was late to come in here. I looked over and it was four minutes till. Now it's time to come in here. Anyway, I'm here to talk to you about the, uh, the work in Tanzania. Uh, you know, if you read in Acts chapter 14, in verse 27, it says, When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. You know, according to that example, we're, we're emulating that tonight. We're going to, having the church gathered together, I'm going to spend some time talking to you about some of the great things that the Lord has done. And things that we can praise God together for. Things that we need to be praying together for in the future. Um, and... As I talk about the work in Tanzania, I like to try to emphasize one of the reasons it's so important that we have a lot of mission work going on in Africa. Uh, because a lot of people don't realize the opportunity because they don't realize how big of an area we're dealing with and how many people uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, somebody might think, well, you know, I, I know a handful of African missionaries. Why, why do they need so much mission work in Africa? Well, they need a lot of mission work in Africa, first of all, because it's a really, really big place. Uh, one way I know to illustrate that is if you were to drive across this great continent of ours at North America diagonally, we're going to start in Miami, Florida, and drive all the way to the North Pole, Alaska. Then according to Google Maps, I haven't tested this myself, you understand, but according to Google, it would take uh, 4,833 or 35 miles, which would be 77 hours of windshield time, not counting any stops that you have to make uh, along the way. You can't drive 77 hours straight without making a stop or two. 
Anyway, that's how long that will take you. Well, if you were similarly going to drive uh, up the uh, continent of Africa, then it would take you uh, 6,276 miles or 159 hours. That's more than twice as much windshield time driving up the continent of Africa as driving across the continent of North America. It's a, a huge, huge area. You know, a lot of people, we, we talked about uh, earlier with uh, the young men how a lot of folks think of Africa as being a country and aren't really cognizant of the fact that it's a continent upon which there are 54 countries. And uh, people in those 54 countries that speak more than 2,000 different languages. So it's, it's vast, it's diverse, there's a lot going on. Another way I like to illustrate it is to show you how... These, now, this is not an actual map of Africa and the countries in Africa to avoid confusion. But if you were to take the United States and China and India and Western Europe and Japan, you could fit all of them on the landmass that is Africa. It is a vast, vast area. But what we are uh, you know, concerned about specifically is the country of Tanzania, the it's a country in East Africa, just below the equator, just south of the nation of Kenya. Um, it's a nation where Mount Kilimanjaro is, the highest point in Africa. It's, it's where Lake Tanganyika is, the lowest, uh, the deepest lake in Africa, which means Tanzania is home of the highest and lowest points in all of Africa, which is appropriate because uh, mission work is full of highs and lows. So that just feels, feels right. It's also bordered by Lake uh, Victoria, the largest freshwater lake, uh, or the largest lake in Africa, the second largest freshwater lake in, in all the world. It's where the Serengeti is. So a lot of things that I think of as being quintessentially African are, are there in Tanzania. Um, another reference point for you here is an outline of Tanzania superimposed on the southeastern United States. So maybe with that geographical framework that it really gives you a good sense of the ter size territory that we're dealing with in this uh, particular work. And what we're really concerned about, though, is not just the, the vastness of the territory, but the number of people that can be reached with the gospel, souls that need the saving gospel of Christ. The population in Africa right now is absolutely exploding. Here's the, the ratio. Well, let me tell you the reason first. The reason it's exploding is the birth rate has always been high in Africa, comparably high. But the mortality rate, the death rate, has also traditionally been, as long as anybody can remember anyway, higher in Africa than anywhere else in the world. That means that nowhere has more to gain from the proliferation of modern medicine than Africa does. And modern medicine is making inroads into Africa. It is spreading. People are benefiting as a result of that, especially in the cities, and they are living longer. And so what that means is that right now in Africa, for every one person that dies, there are four people being born. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that with that type of ratio, we have an absolutely exploding population. And so people that study these things and project population growth uh, tell us that um, by the end of this century, they expect Tanzania to be the eighth most populous nation in the world. They expect the largest city, Dar es Salaam, to be the third most populous city in the world. Now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. But 
that's the, that's the trend. That's what they're, they're predicting. But even whether it comes exactly to that mark or not, we've got a huge exploding population, which means we have the chance to be ahead of the curve. Every conversion now is, is hopefully, you know, has the opportunity to be the patriarch or the matriarch of a, of a growing Christian family. I mean, you hope that everywhere, but especially in a, a booming population like that. There's so much opportunity now to get ahead of that curve and to be as strongly established as we can as that population uh, continues to, to grow. Um, uh, the, the life in city and in the country is extru- very, very different. Um, I find the country to be more pleasant. I enjoy uh, spending time there more, but... What we, uh, according to the, the Pauline model, you know, when Paul went to a, a new area, he went first to the, uh, the chief city. So when he received the Macedonian call, he's going to go over to Macedonia. Where does he go? He goes right to Philippi, the chief city of the region, and lets the movement work out from there. And so that's kind of what we've tried to do is focus on the population centers. We have our schools and population centers, and people will come there, and then they uh, go back out to their... Uh, home villages and, and spread the gospel uh, that way. And that's sort of the, the model that we've largely followed. Here's some scenes of, of daily life uh, among the, uh, the people there. Um, people, you know, I, I've used this picture. Does this have a pointer on it? No, it doesn't. The picture in the top right corner, I use that. Uh, trying to illustrate somebody that was carrying a load on her head uh, because that's how they do it. If you're going to carry something over there, you're going to carry it on your head because they're well-balanced people. Um, And then finally, my wife Tiffany pointed out to me, that's not a person, it's a scarecrow. (laughs) But anyway, it's an an accurate scarecrow because that's what a person would would look like. but our, our mission, the aspects of the mission are, are fourfold. And I, one of the things I really enjoy about being a part of this work is I think it's really balanced in, in these four aspects. It, it touches so many different parts of what the church is supposed to be concerned about and needs to be uh, concerned about. And I've, I've been telling you these same four aspects now uh, for, for quite a while because that's what the work is. And it's what the work is... Really, not only there, it's what the work is here and, and everywhere else. The church needs to be concerned about these four aspects. Well, the first one I'm going to talk about is preacher training. Because if there's not a mechanism in place to train local men to be evangelists, to do the work of evangelism, and to be ministers, then there's not a chance for, that, for the church to, to have an extended existence in that region. There's got to be a way the local people can be trained so they can uh, continue on doing that work of, of being a preacher. And that's the Pauline model, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, as he writes to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All right, so enter the Andrew Connolly uh, School of Preaching, which is kind of a, a, a centerpiece for our, our work. Uh, the Andrew Connolly School of Preaching is located on the outskirts of Arusha, Tanzania, um, it was started by Cy Stafford, the gentleman uh, depicted in the bottom corner there. He was uh, my 
a mentor and dear friend, um, somewhere between a, a, a best friend and a father figure for me, very influential in my life. But he started the Andrew Carlin School of Preaching, and it's, it's been tremendously successful. We've had students that have come to us. You know, this, this work isn't just impacting Tanzania. We've had students come uh, to be trained here from Uganda, from South Sudan, from Ethiopia, from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, from, uh, you, from uh, Malawi, you know, from Kenya, from Tanzania. Altogether, six or seven different East African nations have been touched by this school. And students coming, being trained there, going back home. And not only that, but now there are an assortment of other schools of preaching in East Africa. Now there are three, as of this year, there's a new one that's opened up in Kenya. There's three that are open in Kenya that are options. There's another one that's opened in Dar es Salaam now. There's another one that's, uh, that's opening, it's on the verge of being open, uh, in Uganda. And all five of those uh, schools of preaching are being operated by our graduates. And so we get this, this pyramid of good, this ripple effect that is just exciting to me. We'll never know this side of heaven, all the good that's done by the guys that we're able to train and the guys that they train, and, and it just goes on and on. That's, that's lasting, long-term good that we can feel good about being a, a part of. That's one of the reasons I love this mission point and the opportunity to, to be a, uh, a part of it. Um, skip ahead a little bit here because you're familiar with the work and my uh, role in it. And here, I do want to show you the team that works with me, the guys on the ground there. I'm in communication with these guys uh, nearly every day while I'm in the States. Um, they depend on me and I depend on them to, to make this, uh, this work. But this is Charles. Uh, him and Iway and Augustine, and they're our leadership team there at the school. One of the when when uh, I was living there previously, I was the last American director of the school of preaching, and one of my jobs was to train these guys to take my place in directing the school. You know, part of what we eventually want to do is we want to encourage local leadership. We want to encourage them to do what they can do. We want to uh, support them. We want to enable what they're not able to do themselves. But eventually, we want that local leadership taking over. And so that's, that's a, a big step when they were able to, uh, to take over as directors of the, the school. All right, so preacher training, the Andrew Crown School preacher. But the second aspect of the work is personal evangelism. That's ultimately what it's uh, all about. You know, there's only two things that you or I or anybody can do. And that's going to matter a thousand years after we die. Five thousand years after we die. After the last person that remembers us has passed on. Even if we were somehow you know, tremendous uh, influencers in the world that when we were uh, world leaders or inventors or somehow we changed life on earth... Uh, you know, a million years from now, after this lot, this earth has passed, none of that would even matter. There's only two things that will that will forever matter, and that is, did you get to heaven, and did you help anybody else get there? That will matter forever, forever. Personal evangelism, 
It's where that comes in. We want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that need that saving gospel. And I want to illustrate uh, to you how evangelism works in the mission field with... This is a... I need you to stay with me here because there's going to be a lot of dots to connect in, in this story I'm about to tell you. But I want to tell you how the gospel spread in this particular area, the lakes area of western Tanzania. Um, because I think this story illustrates well how different aspects of the body, each doing their part, contribute to the building up of, of the whole. All right, so the uh, first Christian in this area was a man named Pascal. Now, I don't have a picture of Pascal. Um, but in June of 2006, he moves into uh, this, this region. And he's not a very mature Christian. His, his doctrine is shallow. His theology isn't all that it needs to be. He needs to be taught uh, a little more perfectly. But he does know that he loves Jesus, and he does know he wants to share that. And he does have some tracts. He has some literature. And he gives some uh, tracts to this man's family. This man's name is Bahati. And Bahati and his family uh, read, they believe, they are converted uh, to the, the gospel, and they begin to meet under this fig tree in his backyard. So the church at Imalamigigo uh, begins right here in this, under that very fig tree. This is where the church meets now. That's my daughter with some of the young folks of the, of the congregation. Um, and so th this is where they meet now. <clears throat> well, in that same year, uh, Cy Stafford, who was the mission coordinator before me, sent a team from Arusha, including a missionary, uh, an experienced African evangelist, and one of our preaching students, a man named Yusuf, to help this young church, uh, along with uh, some other folks, to do uh, some seminars, conduct evangelism in the area. And that resulted in 11 conversions from the nearby city of Ushurumbo. All right, So there you've had this diverse team is going to help this uh, fledgling congregation. This is Yusuf now. And this is the building where the Ushurumbo Church of Christ now meets. Uh, so during Christmas break of that year, uh, Sa sent Yusuf back to help Pascal in evangelism in and around the Ushurumbo area, with the result that 16 more people were converted. And after graduation in April, Yusuf moved to work full-time with the church here in this area and to help teach Pascal more fully himself. And here's uh, my daughter Abby with the children of the Ushurumbo church. So you can get a sense for how that, that church is, is thriving and just looking at the the group of, of children that they, they have gathered there. Um, in that Christmas break campaign, there was a man from a nearby village of Lulumbella that was converted, and the following May, Yusuf found him and helped him start a congregation in, him, in his home. That's Amos, the man beside me. I'm, I'm the, the tall one in the picture. Um, this is the building that was being built. It's finished now for the Lulumbella uh, church that started in his home. Now the church is growing. They have a, a building. At that same Christmas break campaign, there was a family from another village called Casabigio that was converted. Yusuf found them and helped them start a congregation in their home, beginning with six people. And here's their building today. And you can see children just 
uh, you know, gathered around the windows looking in, wanting to see what all is going on in, in this congregation. Um, in August of that year, Paschal passed away suddenly. Just over a year after sharing those tracks and with one family and then watching uh, four congregations and dozens of Christians crop up in the area as a result of each part doing its part. Then in October, Sai sent another team for a seminar in the area with more good results. Uh, the headmaster of the Mbamula Primary School, that's the, the building up there, uh, agreed, he became a Christian, he agreed to let us have the seminar there in his uh, school building. And the result of that was that 40 souls were baptized in this little pit. 40 souls, the first of whom was this lady. Her name's Rebecca. She's still a faithful Christian uh, today. And this church built up in the schoolhouse to about 200 members. And then the government stepped in and said, you can't meet in the schoolhouse any longer. So they moved to uh, this building until it became too weather damaged to be safe to use anymore. And they were forced to go uh, and meet in this family's backyard. And as they did that, their numbers were dwindling. They got down to 60 members. But with the help of American supporters, we're able to build them a building. It's finished now. And they have a proper uh, long-term home and the church is, is growing again. And we could go on and tell the congregations at uh, Mtinga and Bunanda and Lunzewe and uh, Yovu that all spun off from this point. But that's enough to, to give you a picture uh, by now of how these things work. How you've got tracks, literature that's produced, and that's one of the things I have to raise money for every year. We, we print $5,000 worth of tracks and literature for, for distribution over there each year. So we've got the tracks, and you've got the school preaching students, you've got the native Christians, you've got American supporters, you've got the missionaries, you've got all that working together, each one doing their part cause the gospel to spread and proliferate across that area. Were you able to follow all that? There's a lot of stops and starts and big weird names like Emelamagigo, but I hope you're able to follow that because I think it really well illustrates each, you know, how this works. And if everybody does their part, what great things can happen. How the church grows and spreads. And nobody could get it to that point working all alone. Nobody doing it by themselves. But so many people working together, uh, playing roles. And here's uh, the tracks that we, uh, we print and distribute. Um, we give them, give them out everywhere, just as liberally as we can. Uh, there's, the average track is going to be read by you know, four or five people during its lifetime. We had one preacher who died just a, a few weeks ago, but he was, uh, he was given one of these tracts a long time ago. And like a lot of people, when they're handed something that they're not going to pay attention to right then, they stick in their Bible. And that's what he did. He stuck in his Bible where it remained untouched for ten years. Then finally, for whatever reason, he opens it up, Hey, I'm going to read this today. And he reads that track after 10 years. Lead, leads to being converted. Winds up coming to the school of preaching and being trained and going and being a preacher uh, himself until the day that he dies. 
Just, you just never know. God's timing. Uh, some seeds take longer to germinate than others, right? So that's uh, that's a part of it. Bible studies are so easy to set up there, you know. And that's as we were talking with the young men beforehand. It you know sounds like there's uh, some young folks want to take a campaign uh, here and before too long to come and participate in this evangelism. And I hope that that's able to come to fruition. To plant that seed out there would be great, uh, but. I want to caution you. Don't send your young folks to go on a foreign mission campaign unless you're prepared for their lives to change. Because they're going to come back, they're going to love the Lord more, they're going to be more excited about evangelism, they're going to uh, probably be stronger Christians, and maybe even one or two might become missionaries themselves one day. It just it has a way of getting in your blood and staying with you. I think it's transmitted through mosquito bites. Maybe, I don't know. but it, For some reason, it gets a hold of you, and you just never know. But if you're willing for your young folks to be changed for the better, send them on a foreign mission campaign. And it's going to be a great place for that to, to take place. Uh, the third area of the work is in providing benevolence, as Jesus describes the Day of Judgment. Apparently, one of the ways that we're going to be judged is by how our... Faith motivated us to alleviate the sufferings of others. And Jesus says, when, and then the righteous will answer Him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the King will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Um, Tanzania, not everybody is impoverished, but an awful lot of them are. 68% of Tanzanians live on less than $1.25 per day, and as a result of that, a third of the population is malnourished. The UN Human Development Index ranks Tanzania 159th uh, out of 187 uh, countries when it comes to poverty. So they're uh, a very, very poor country. And being able to offer help to some impoverished people is one of the great joys that we have as missionaries. Uh, one of the things in just this last year, because of COVID restrictions, the economy was depressed and there were uh, you know, some suffering as a result of that. So we were able to raise $6,000 to help provide rice and beans to um, 600 Christian families and to help them make ends meet during a part of that time. So that's just, here's a, a picture, in fact, of that being distributed there uh, in the pavilion at the, the School of Preaching. Um, it breaks my heart to see the condition so many of these folks live in. And this lady is making gravel by hand. Uh, it's the common, most common child's toy we see. Uh, some groups are good about doing something benevolent when they come. Uh, this group from Hoover, Alabama... Uh, one year brought uh, mosquito nets and distributed a thousand mosquito nets uh, to Christian families in the area. Now the fourth area of the work is in edifying the church because we're uh, called not just to baptize people but to, uh, to make disciples. And that's what we want to do. We want to help them to continue to grow and mature and develop um, as, as time goes on to become mature self-sustaining congregations. And there's a lot of ways that we're involved in that. There's uh, these two Bible schools, the Kilimanjaro Bible School and the Rusha Bible School. 
that uh, operate. They're different from the school preaching. These are open to everybody. School preaching, you have to be a faithful Christian who's wanting to be a preacher. These are open to anybody who wants to know more about the Bible. So it's more uh, evangelistic in its nature. It also serves as a, a crash course for somebody that is um, uh, you know, a new convert or something like that. Uh, also, we have the Tanzania Leadership Conference that takes place every year. It's a, a big deal for us. It's sort of a, a lectureship sort of thing. But we'll have church leaders that come from all across East Africa and be a part of this. Um, we'll have It's a great time to catch up with our alumni as well and see what they've been up to. And something that is really exciting this year is we, we're finishing, we're in the final phases of construction. Matter of fact, I need a, an updated picture because now the outside is all done. I think all we lack are the finishing the bathroom fixtures and, and the construction will be finished on the Cy Stafford School of Leadership. Uh, he, saw identified that a great need that still remained is in better leadership training. Um, so I wasn't able to see that come to fruition, but we've carried that dream forward, and we're ready. We're working on the, the curriculum development now. We hope to take in our, our first class uh, at the beginning of next year for this leadership school. And what we hope to do with this is to train church leaders in, in leadership skills and ability. We want to we train elders. Uh, we want to train men to be deacons. We want to train preachers specifically in how church leadership works. And we want to help in these areas because hardly any congregations over there have elderships. There's not a lot of the practical examples that they can turn to and see how an eldership works, how church leadership is really supposed to be structured when the congregation is mature and has a, a fully developed a leadership uh, structure. And so there, there's a need for more education, more help with that. And so this is, this is our answer to that. And we're try, one way that we're, we're trying to, uh, to help with that. Because all they have, for examples, are denominational structures. That's what they, they've seen. And as far as just general leadership structures, the most dominant types of leadership that you see in, from the, the government on down to family households is dictatorships. That's, that's kind of the model that's most common in Tanzania, a lot of African countries, is, is dictatorship. The, the strong man, you, if you're powerful enough to impose your will on others, then you rule. Well, that doesn't work in the church. You don't want preachers having that mindset. You definitely don't want elders having that type of mindset. And so there's a need for better leadership training. And so this is, this is what we're... Uh, uh, something new we're excited about doing. We have, uh, each year, we'll host a couple of camps. Tanzania Christian Camp that uh, is hosted there at the School of Preaching. It's a lot like Bible camps that are uh, that your young people might go to here. Uh, we also have Tanzania, our Future Preacher Training Camp, which is more of a uh, camp that's just designed for teaching young men uh, how to uh, lead in worship service, how to conduct Bible studies, how to do those sorts of leadership things. Uh, and then something that uh, we did last year is uh, my daughter put together these Bible class teaching kits that uh, had 
some songs in Swahili. I had enough resources there to teach a, a quarter's worth of, of Bible and some, some craft supplies and things like that. And she took, we took these kits out to uh, some of the churches that are not visited as often, There's some churches that are further out. And here she is uh, teaching the children and, and the Bible class teachers in those congregations some of those songs and how to, uh, how to use that material. And that was something that was a great blessing. Some of those congregations had not even been teaching children. They didn't know they were supposed to teach children the Bible. They hadn't been told to them that they were supposed to do that. And some of them were already doing it, but they didn't have any resources at all for uh, children's Bible teaching. One lady said, I've been desperately searching for aids for the Bible class, and God has answered my prayers. So they were really excited about that. And of course, I try to get around to as many congregations uh, as possible uh, to help them and be a resource to them and connect with them. Uh, and uh, Tiffany does her roles as well in, in training the ladies and, and doing what, uh, what she can there. The mission then, in a nutshell, is edification, it's benevolence, it's evangelism, and it's preacher training, in which are all things that the church needs to be concerned about everywhere. It's, it's balanced. It's touching uh, a little bit of, of everything and making a, a difference in a wide uh, range of ways in, in, uh, uh, for, for this population. And there's a lot of bang for the buck in, in that, uh, that manner. And so we do need to, uh, to ask for help. How do we need help? The number one way that we need help is we need prayers. We need prayers. Uh, somebody says, I believe in mission work and I appreciate what's going on there, but I'm on a very fixed income. I can't give financially to it. I understand that. I really, I really do. But prayer is free. It doesn't cost a dime. All it costs is a little time, a little energy. Spend some time in prayer on a regular basis for this mission work, please. For other mission works that you support. For any mission work that you're able to be acquainted with, Pray for them. Prayer matters, and it's a way that you can be engaged in it uh, without, without even crossing a dime. And so to, to that end, I have uh, my trusty high-tech sign-up device I like to carry with me. Uh, it works off of this input stylus that you're able to uh, use to input information into the device. And if you will uh, input on this device your name and email address, I'll be happy to add you to our email list so you can get occasional updates on the work and know uh, what's going on so that that can inform your prayers. Some of you are already on that list. Uh, if you're not getting that, then uh, would be very happy to, uh, to add you to that. Um, and then another way that we need help is, of course, financial contributions, which you all uh, do give monthly contributions, and I appreciate that uh, very much. And thank you for that. And I petition you to continue doing that. Uh, fundraising last year, just honestly, you know, between you and me, was really hard. <laughs> 2020 was a bad year for fundraising. A lot of churches are having a hard time with their budgets. Uh, a lot of churches it shut down for big parts of the year, so I wasn't even able to, uh, to do as many presentations as I normally uh, like to do. And... Um, you know, some churches, because of their struggles, had to reduce support. And so we, we, we lost some things. Um, so we, you know, 
I ask you to continue on. But also, maybe you have a friend or a family member who's in a leadership position at another congregation. Maybe you could reach out to them and say, hey, there's this work in Tanzania that we support. The missionary was here just the other day talking to us about it. We believe in the work. We've been a part of it a long time. They're needing some, uh, some more funds. Maybe you could have them come and, and talk to your congregation about it. Just give that referral, that word of mouth. Connect them with me. I'll give you my card, uh, and, and then I'll follow up on that. And that would be a great way that you could be helpful uh, to, the, to the work and helping to continue the things that, that we've been talking about. I like this image of what's going on with, with mission work because, like I emphasized earlier, it takes every part doing their part. No, no part is doing it alone. Nobody can do it alone. It, it's, it's very much a team effort. And when we see somebody that is, is coming to Christ, somebody that's responding to the Gospel, that's the, the culmination of a, a chain of events and people that are involved that begins, as God describes it, with somebody sending the Gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? That, that sender is just as much a part of that chain of events that results in somebody coming to Christ as the person that actually conducts the Bible study, as, as the person that organizes the campaign, as, as whatever. Everybody in that chain doing their part. And so when you support mission work, when you send with your financial contributions and with your prayers and with your encouragement, when you do that, you are very much a part of this reaching out to seek and save the lost. Now, I, that's, that's not a... Um, I don't say that to diminish at all your responsibility to the local community. You need to be doing evangelism right here as well. Please don't just support foreign missions and think that has fulfilled the biblical mandate for evangelism. But in that support, you are very much a part of that evangelism. And I want to thank you for that. Encourage uh, that to, uh, to continue and help you to know how important it is what you are doing to make all these things possible, these wonderful things possible that I've been talking to you about tonight. Now it could be that there's somebody here tonight that is not yet a part of that body of Christ, that worldwide body of the saved that that we've been talking about. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that needs to respond to the Gospel. And you believe in Christ, you're willing to change your life to bring it in accord with the teachings of Christ, then come and be baptized so those sins will be washed away the Lord will add you to His church. Or if you've already done that, but since then maybe you haven't been doing your part in the body of Christ. You need to rededicate yourself to being the best at your role that you can possibly be. If you need to restore your relationship with God in any way, and there's a way that we can help you in that, then come forward and let that need be known. All together, we stand in